welcome to this latest edition of the Maritime Podcast. This is Marcus Hand, editor of Sea Trade Maritime News, and in this episode of the Maritime Podcast, we will be looking at some of the major trending stories published on SeaTradeMaritime.com in the month of February. First off, we will be looking at the shift to alternative fuels and the decarbonization of shipping. This ongoing story is seeing a move away from being purely an academic and regulatory debate to one where ship owners and operators are making firm investment decisions for the future to meet IMO's 2030 emissions reductions targets and beyond. In terms of the nearer term 2030 target, we are now seeing major investments in LNG as a marine fuel, which after many years as a potential fuel with niche regional activity is now seeing global take up. Underscoring this, in the middle of the month, container line Zim entered into more than a billion dollars worth of long-term charter deals with tonnage provider C-SPAN Corp for 10 15,000 TU new buildings to be built at Samsung Heavy Industries. Meanwhile, MYK ordered four LNG-powered car carriers at China Merchant's Jinling shipyard in China. On the all-important supply side, we saw Peninsula Petroleum launching a new LNG bunkering business to support a growing number of its customers taking delivery of dual-fuel tonnage. Peninsula was also involved in the first LNG refueling of the world's largest LNG-powered bulker, the 180,000 deadweight HL Green in Malaysia with Petronas Marine. While LNG is not a solution to reach carbon neutral or zero carbon shipping, it does provide real CO2 and other emissions reductions today that combined with other measures can meet 2030 targets and a potential pathway to carbon neutral using synthetic or bio LNG in the future. As Hapag Lloyd CEO Rolf Haben Jansen explained during the virtual SMM event. We have opted now to build a couple of ships that are going to run on LNG, also because those ships will have the option to run on synthetic gases as well, which is now here at the moment the, the most likely technology that will prevail over the upcoming couple of years, but I mean, even that remains to be seen. If you are keen to learn more about LNG as a marine fuel, listen to the recent In Conversation episode of the Maritime Podcast, where UECC CEO Glenn Evertson talked about the company's experience as a pioneer in owning and operating LNG-powered car carriers. Looking further ahead, there has been increased activity around carbon-neutral and zero-carbon shipping projects with a nearer-term horizon. Danish shipping giant AP Moller Maersk attracted considerable attention, announcing plans to have a carbon-neutral 2000 TU feeder container ship powered by methanol in operation on intra-European trades by 2023. It is a scalable pilot for carbon-neutral shipping for its customers. It is an ambitious project, and Maersk admitted it would be a significant challenge to source an adequate supply of carbon-neutral methanol within its timeline. Wind power is also making a return, having been retired in the 19th century. 
and there was news on two significant wind-powered car carrier projects, which would provide zero carbon shipping. Wilhelmus Wilhelmsson unveiled the Allcell Wind Project, a full-scale wind-powered car carrier of around 7,000 vehicle capacity. It was aimed to enter service in 2025. Such a vessel would come with a compromise on speed though, around 10 to 12 knots, similar to a 19th century clipper merchant sailing ship. Meanwhile, French company Neoline's plans for car carrier sailing ships on the Atlantic trades by 2023 received a boost with the announcement of its first committed eastbound customer in the shape of tire manufacturer Michelin. The company promises to start construction of its first cargo sailing ships as soon as possible. In a somewhat curious piece of PR speak, Neoline describes itself as the first ship owner orientated towards energy sobriety. We are not quite sure what this means, but maybe there is an opportunity for a 12-step program to help ship owners to stop using carbon-based fuels. Another issue that unfortunately remained very much in the headlines in February was the crew change crisis. Hopes that the ongoing crew change crisis was seeing some kind of resolution were dashed by the emergence of COVID-19 variants late last year, triggering a whole new series of travel restrictions. Echoing the sentiments of many in the industry, DMVGL Maritime CEO Nut Orbeck Nielsen expressed shock that more than 70% of IMO member states had still not recognized seafarers as key workers. In a major development, the Neptune Declaration on Seafarer Wellbeing and Crew Change, announced in late January, has now been signed by over 600 companies and organizations, with more being added on a daily basis. Indeed, I had two such press releases in my inbox this morning. While it is heartening to see the way the industry has come together on this issue, the proof of the Neptune Declaration will very much be if it can turn this collective will into concrete action to get crew change functioning on a global basis again. The situation off the coast of China has already reached breaking point, with more than 60 bulkers caught in an unofficial ban on Australian coal imports, with some seafarers now on vessels as long as 20 months. After over six months of trying to reach agreement with charterers on crew change for the bulker Anastasia, MSC simply took the decision to request the master to sail to Japan to relieve the vessel's stranded seafarers. The International Transport Workers Federation called on other owners to follow MSC's lead. Meanwhile, in some good news, the shipping hub of Singapore passed the 100,000 mark on crew change in February. For the latest developments on the crew change crisis, visit Seatrade Maritime News' dedicated page on seatrade-maritime.com. Another issue of serious concern that has continued to make the headlines in February was the large-scale loss of containers from box ships in severe weather, in particular on the Trans-Pacific trade. The latest incident involved the 13,100 TU Maersk Eindhoven on 17 February. The Maersk vessel lost engine propulsion for three to four minutes north of Japan in heavy weather, causing severe rolling, which resulted in it losing 260 containers overboard and damage to a further 65 boxes on deck. The vessel, bound for the US from China, has since turned around to the port of Yokohama in Japan. 
While the Maersk Eindhoven incident differs from those of the Maersk Essen, which lost around 750 containers, and the one Apus, which lost 1,816 containers, in that the Maersk Eindhoven incident also involved an engine stop as well as severe weather, the incident highlights a major issue of concern to the industry and insurers, as well, clearly, its customers. Apart from the loss of cargo, associated financial costs, the incidents also have a reputational impact with global news coverage. They also take much-needed capacity out of service for lengthy periods. The One Apus is unloading damaged boxes in the port of Kobe and is currently set to depart in mid-March, some three and a half months after the incident happened on the 30th of November 2020. That is all we have time for this month. To read these news stories talked about in this episode of the Maritime Podcast and many more, visit Sea Trade Maritime News at seatrade-maritime.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>